Brothers and sisters, again, uh, Pastor Brett will be blessing us with the word, and uh, he's been a blessing to us all this week. And um, I might even tell us a little bit about, I know the visit that he gave to Casa Esperanza, the, the missionaries there were very blessed with their visit. Thank you so much, brother. Yes. It has been a wonderful week. We have got to uh, visit a lot of the ministries that your church supports. We have also had uh, lunch or dinner with many different church members, families, and trying to get to know as many people as we can. Obviously, there are many others we'd like to get to know as well over time. It, it uh, has been a very uh, busy week, um, running nonstop. I, I forget that Brasileiros like to stay up late. I'm usually in bed by 10 o'clock at night, and a lot of the places we went, uh, we weren't even getting home till 10 o'clock at night, so it was, it was new for me in that regard, so we are trying to keep up, getting a little older in age as well, so it's a little harder to keep up, but we've had a wonderful time, wonderful week, and thank you for the, the great hospitality. Uh, one of the things last Sunday after, afternoon, after we got back to the apartment, so many of our friends texting, how did it go? How are things going? And, and the two words that Claudia and I used were uh, welcoming and exciting. It was very, uh, we were very welcomed by the church and it was just an exciting time. And so we continue to feel that way, uh, even though we may be a little wearier now because of the week, uh, the heavy week there. But we're, we're excited to be here. And one of the things I love to do more than anything else is to preach God's word. And so we're going to be looking today at the priority of the Bible. That's the title of the message today. I'm going to encourage you to open your Bibles again to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. I know it's been read once, and in just a minute I'm going to read it again. But I want us to talk today what it, what it is and how important it is for us to know the Bible, know God's Word. You know, for those of us who have grown up in church many times, we go, oh, we know that. We know that the Bible is important. We know it's God's Word. But from time to time, it is really good to be reminded of how important God's Word really is, the priority of God's Word. If, if you're committed to Jesus, then the Bible must be the most important book of your life. If you're committed to Jesus, it's okay to read other books. There are many other good books out there to read and understand about the Bible and to understand about Christianity. But the Bible needs to be the number one book you read. And too many times we as believers, we say, yeah, I'm going to read it. And then we don't. Is that true? I mean, can we confess that? Many times we say, oh yeah, I'm going to get up early, I'm going to read the Bible, and then we hit the snooze alarm until it's too late and we go on. You see, I believe we live in a time where there's no excuse not to read the Bible because nowadays you can have your Bible on your cell phone in various different apps and you can have the Bible read to you. I, I'm one that likes to get up and go walking every morning. And when I go walking, I put my headphones in and I put the Bible on and I walk and I hear God's word read to me. What I've noticed in this week here in, in Sao Paulo, many of you deal with a thing called traffic, transito. Man, why not just put that, that, that app there, put it into your, your car and let God's word be read to you while you're having the joy of enjoying Transito, you know? <laughs> Maybe it might calm your heart a little bit so that uh, you don't get upset about things. But I believe today there's really no excuse not to read the Bible on a regular basis. 
because there's so many ways you can do it. And if you're going to be committed to Jesus Christ, I believe you need to read and study God's Word. I mean, after all, when you want to get to know someone, one of the ways you can do that is a personal conversation. But if you're far away or the person's no longer around, another way to, to get to know them is by reading something they wrote. So the best thing to do in this regards is to take God's Word and read it on a daily basis so that you can get to know Him better. Let's read that passage again. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. But you must remain faithful. Let me stop real quick. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's reminding him some things. Paul and Timothy, father and son in the faith, and here he's saying this to Timothy. But you, Timothy, you must remain faithful in the things that you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust the ones who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have, been given, they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us when we, to do the right things. God uses Scripture to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Again, Paul was writing to Timothy, and, and he says, Remain faithful in what you were taught. Look at verse 15. Remain faithful in the Holy Scriptures. And I love the way Paul does it right here. So for Paul and Timothy, the Holy Scriptures would have been the Old Testament. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on, look at that verse, and he says, Remain faithful in the Holy Scriptures you've learned from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. So he talks about the old, but he brings in the new as well. And so he's saying, remain faithful in what you've learned through Scripture. So I want us today to understand that, the priority of Scripture. Some people would ask the question this way, why do we even have the Bible? Why do we read it? Why do we have it? Others would ask the question this way, can I trust the Bible? I believe that's what a lot of people are asking today. They've asked it throughout history. Can I trust this book? This book was written thousands of years ago. Can I trust it today? Does it make any difference for my life today? I like to approach that, that question with the word unique. Have you ever thought of the word unique? The word unique has several different definitions, if you will. The word unique can be defined this way. Being the only one of its kind. Well, I would say the Bible is definitely unique in that sense. Being the only one of its kind. Here's another definition. Better than others or superior to all others. I think we could say the Bible is definitely superior to all other books. So it is unique. And then there's a third one I like. Unique can also be unusual. Different from others in a way, listen to this, that makes it worthy of noticing. The Bible, again, is one of those things that is unique. It is unusual and it is worthy of our notice. And so we need to understand the Bible can be trusted. But it's a definitely unique book. 
Here's some of the things about the Bible. The Bible was written over a period of 1,500 years. Most books don't take that long to write. 1,500 years. The Bible was written by over 40 different authors. Now, yes, we know the one true author is God himself, but he used over 40 different people to write the Bible. Kings, philosophers, fishermen, tax collectors, all these different people were ones that God used to write the Bible. The Bible was written in many different places and many different times. The Bible was written on three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. The Bible was written in three different languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. It's written in a lot of different styles, poetry, historical narrative. There's even romance in the Bible. The Bible addresses all kinds of subjects and yet never contradicts itself. The Bible is a, is a book of great diversity, yet there is one continuous story from beginning to end in the Bible, and that is the story of God himself and the story of how God reveals himself through Jesus Christ. So yes, the Bible is unique. It is different. But it is here because God left it here for us. And it, it has its uniqueness in one of the ways we call the word inspiration. Look at verse 16 again. It says what? All scripture is inspired by God. That inspiration, it means God breathed, that God brought his word to life through the, through the Holy Scriptures. Verse 15 says, it is the Holy Scripture. In other words, it is divine in its origin, that God is the one that put it together. He used humans, and he used 66 different books, but its author is the inspiration of God alone. And when we talk about inspiration, it's, it's a little different. You know, we, we listen to some beautiful music. Maybe we listen to a concert that, that was put together by Mozart or Beethoven. And we say, man, they were inspired when they wrote this, this piece. And that's beautiful. Claudia and I live in Arizona, and we can go out our backyard and look at the most inspiring sunsets that you will ever see. And all these things are very inspiring. There, there's another thing. I like every once in a while when I um, open the mail... I get uh, some inspiration because my four-year-old granddaughter sends me a drawing, and I know that that was inspired, you know, just for me. But none of those inspirations compare to the inspiration that it says right here that God breathed, God inspired the Word of God. Even Peter confirmed that in 2 Peter 1.21 when he said, for no prophecy has ever was ever made by an act of human will, listen to the last part here, but men moved by the Holy Spirit, they spoke from God. Even Peter confirms that God's word, the Bible, is inspired and it comes from God himself. I, you know, sometimes when I think of the Bible and I look at the stories in the Bible, I think it has to be inspired because I would not have put some of those stories in there. You know, you look at um, Abraham, and we think, oh, wonderful man. But Abraham made a lot of mistakes, didn't he? You can say yes. <laughs> you can wake up, yeah, there. 
Think of, the, think of David, King David himself. I mean, we, we look at him and we think, oh, what a great king. But he made a lot of mistakes in his life. And if I had written the Bible, I would have like, eh, let's, let's leave those out. Let's just tell the good side of people. Let's just say the good stories instead of all the bad things as well. But it is inspired by God, and God wanted us to have the full story, everything, the good and the bad, to understand how he works in everybody's life. The Bible is definitely inspired and God-breathed by God, and therefore, I can trust it. I can believe it, I can read it, and I can obey it. Is the Bible reliable? Yes, it is, without a doubt. It's unique because its author is God, and he divinely inspired this book. The reality is it comes down to faith. I mean, you'll look at the Bible, and by faith, you'll accept it or reject it. That's the same thing you do with Jesus Christ. By faith, you're either going to say, I believe that he is the Son of God, he died on the cross for me and rose again, or you're going to say, no, I can't believe it, and walk away. And, and in one day, you're going to come to a place where you're going to say, yes, I believe this book. Even though I may not understand everything in there, I believe it is inspired by God, therefore I'm going to live by its standards. And I've chosen in my life to cast my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. And I would challenge you today that you're going to have to make a decision, if you haven't made it yet, to cast your faith in Jesus and his word or reject it. So then what are the purpose of the Bible? What, if we know it's inspired by God, then what is the purpose? And you can summarize the purpose in, in kind of uh, an, one simple phrase, and it is to reveal God. The Bible is there to reveal God to mankind. We call this revelation. And, and the reality is there's kind of two different types of revelation. There's that general rev revelation and specific revelation. General revelation is, is what Psalm 19.1 says. The heavens declare the glories of God. And the sky proclaims the work of his hands. That, that's general revelation. Uh, you, you go to uh, the Grand Canyon and you see this magnificent thing that God created. And he said, there is a general revelation of God. And on and on you can see how God reveals himself through creation. But then he decided that's not enough, so he left us a specific revelation through the word of God. And he reveals himself to us through the process of his word. God revealed to us who he is. And in that part of revelation, then there's also that step of illumination, where he opens our minds as we read the word to understand what it says. Have you ever gone and, and read the, a passage of scripture and you go, man, I have never seen it that way before. And, and yet you realize you have read that same passage over and over and over again many times, and, and yet God revealed something new to you. That's called illumination, that God opens your mind and allows you to understand something that you need in that moment for your life. That's what Paul was saying in verse 14 and 15 when he says, remain faithful to what you've been taught. You can trust the, the Holy Scriptures because it is there. And God is revealing himself to you. So what are some of the things that the Bible reveals about God to us? Well, first of all, he reveals the person of God. 
so that we can come to know him better. The scriptures reveal that, that God is a holy God, that he's a loving God, that he's, that he's eternal, that he's merciful, that, he, that he's almighty and that he's omnipresent. All these characteristics. In fact, I would encourage you sometime, take a journal when you write, read your Bible and, and jot down every time you see a new characteristic or quality of God and just realize how much the Bible reveals to us who God really is. We come to know the person of God through Scripture. We also come to know the power of God, how God created. You start in Genesis 1. One of the most powerful passages there is is Genesis 1. He's created the, the whole world. He created everything. But he didn't stop there. In the New Testament, we begin to see the power of Jesus Christ by feeding 5,000 plus people with a very little amount of food. We see Jesus walking on the water. We see God's power. We see how Jesus heals people. And then, then when we come to this week that we celebrate, we see the power of Jesus Christ to conquer death. So the Bible reveals not just who God is, but the power of God as well. It also reveals to us the promises that God has made to us. One pastor one time said there's over 5,000 promises in the Bible. I don't know how he got that, where he got that from, and I've not counted them all, okay? But I know the Bible is filled with promises. And one thing we know from Scripture and from God about God is either all those promises have already been fulfilled or they will be fulfilled at the end of time. God keeps his promises, and we can count on him. And then the Bible also presents to us the plan that God has. His purpose and plan for Jesus, what he did for us, purpose and plan for our lives. The Bible reveals to us that, that we are sinners, that we fall short of the glory of God, and that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to die for us. And so one of the first things we can see in the purpose of the Bible is to reveal that, that, that God wants to reveal himself to us. He wants that personal relationship with us. And so through his word, he begins to show us who he is and how he works and what he wants for our life. In fact, Matthew 24, 35 says this, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not ever pass away. Some of you may have uh, studied in school a man by the name of Voltaire, a French philosopher. He hated Christianity. And in his lifetime, he said this, within 25 years, the Bible will be forgotten and Christianity will be a thing of the past. That's what he stated. Forty years after he died, he died in 1778, 40 years after he died, the house that he lived in became a house where the Bible and other Christian literature was being printed. He was wrong. He had no clue of the power of God and the power of the word of God that is still alive and active today. That's why I would challenge you that you need to spend time in God's word. You must be reading the Bible. And I'll just throw this in. I didn't think about this in the first service, but so many times people say, well, I'm not sure where to start. I'll give you two ideas. The Gospel of John is a great place to start. But if you say to me, oh, I've already read it, I'm a, a mature believer, then challenge yourself by reading the book of James, because that one will be a challenge. 
because James gets to the heart of the matter of things we need to grow up in and sometimes the way we fail. So I would challenge you, begin to read the Bible. So here's a second purpose. It's not just to reveal God, but it's also to redeem man. Redeem man. Look at verse 15 again. The scriptures have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Jesus Christ. From the moment man sinned in the Garden of Eden, there is a continuous story in the Bible of God drawing us back to him, of God bringing us back. It's a story of redemption from cover to cover that culminates on the cross, but doesn't end there because Jesus rose again. And so we see this beautiful story of the Lord, of God redeeming man through Jesus Christ. And we see it all the way throughout Scripture. Romans 3.23 says to us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And then if you look at 2 Peter 3.9, we've come to understand that, that God values every single person. It says the Lord isn't, willing, uh, isn't really being slow about his promise, as some would think. No, he's being patient for your sake. Let me just say it this way. Let's stop right there. I love that. He is being patient for your sake, for my sake. He's patience. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. The Bible shows us the way to salvation. Jesus talking to his disciples not long before he heads back to heaven. He says, you know the way. And Thomas says, no, we don't. We don't understand. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. One of the purposes of the Bible is to show us from beginning to end the story of redemption. That God loves us even though we have sinned against him, even though we have set him aside, he still loves us. And as John 3.16 says, sent his only son to die for us. So it reveals the person of God, but it also reveals to us that, that man needs to be redeemed. And I would just stop in this moment right now and just say, have you been redeemed? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you recognized that you are a sinner and that you need Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? That is the redemption plan of God. That's what he shares with us here in this, his word and then there's one other purpose as well, to re reinforce the Christian walk. Reveals who God is so we can know him, redeems man, that we would have salvation through Jesus Christ. And then verses 16 and 17 also share with us that we are to walk in Christ. It's not just enough to know him. I, there's too many Christians that say, yeah, I have, I'm a Christian, I know him, and don't do anything with their walk. Don't do anything with their life. We are called not only to know Christ, but to serve Christ. Look at what verses 16 and 17 say. Verse 16, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. That word there, to teach, 
is the word for doctrine that we get today. It's the word to didactic, to teach someone. And I I like the older translations because it gives us three words there, to rebuke, to correct, and to train in righteousness. Now, the first one, we don't really like to do a whole lot, do we? Rebuke. We don't like to be rebuked, and we don't really a lot of times like to rebuke others. But that's the first part of teaching. And what does it mean to, be, to rebuke? It means to reprove. When, when someone is in sin, when someone is walking down the path and they, they've, they've gone this way and they should be going this way, we go to them and we say, brother, sister, we need to help you get back on the right path. It's when we understand the conviction that the Holy Spirit has given us that we're in the wrong direction. But by the way, we need to remember it needs to be done in love. Rebuking is always done in a spirit of love, making sure that we're okay too, because what does the Bible say? Watch out with the log that's in your own lie before you go to talk to your brother that has a speck in his. But the first thing we do in the teaching is rebuking, but it doesn't stop there because the next word is correct, and what it says there is to, to show the remedy. So many times people say, oh, I rebuke you, you're on the wrong way, but if we don't help that brother or sister get back on the right path in the right direction, then they'll just fall right back into it. And so we rebuke them, but then we correct them, which means we give them a a way to go. And then the third phase says, train in righteousness. To train a person who has been rebuked and corrected so that they can live a righteous life. What is this? This is to, to be with them, to counsel them, to disciple them, to hold them accountable, to be with them together. The Bible says in this passage, one of the things we do in our Christian walk is to teach one another. And then the verse 17 says, not only teach one another, but we equip. The Bible is there to equip us. Verse 17, God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. The Bible is there to to help us grow up in him and to equip us for our day-to-day walk in Christ. I would challenge you, the first thing you need to do when you get up in the morning before you hit that traffic or before you go to work is you need to spend time in God's word so that you will be equipped to, live, to work and live for Christ that day. In fact, I, I'm reminded, Paul writing in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6, he begins to talk about the armor of God. And in the armor of God, what is the only offensive weapon he gives us? What is it? Oh, come on. You guys know it. The sword of the truth, the spirit of God, the word of God. That's what it is. It is the sword. That's the only offensive weapon you have. Why would you go out in in your day-to-day life unprepared for battle? Why would you go out in your daily life and try to say, oh, I'm, I'm a strong Christian, I can do it on my own. When all along he's given you the sword, he's given you his word to teach you and to equip you and to prepare you to serve him. Many years ago, C.H. Spurgeon, a great pastor of old days, he said this, a Bible which is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. I think there's a lot of truth to that. A few months ago, I have a niece that's going to the University of Arizona, and she's 22 years old. And she sent me a picture a few months ago, and her Bible literally was falling apart. And it brought tears to my eyes that my young niece 
is already reading God's word in such a way that she already has to go out and get another one because it's falling apart. My question for you is how many Bibles have you gone through in your life? How many Bibles have fallen apart? Now I know today we have electronic Bibles, so that's different. But how many Bibles have fallen apart in your life, in your hands, because you are studying and reading the Word of God? When I grew up, I, I learned a song. Maybe you've learned it as well. It's a little children's song called the B-I-B-L-E. Anybody know that song? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the word for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. You know what that simple song is saying? It, it, that I can trust God's Word. I can place my faith in Jesus and in His Word. I can let the Bible be the standard for my life. I can let it be the guidebook of my day-to-day -day living. I believe it, and therefore I put it into practice in my life. I challenge you today that that's what we're called to do. Put it into practice. Read it and live it. As we close this morning, I want to ask you, do you know the difference between a tourist and an explorer? You see, a tourist is one that, let's say they, they're going to Italy to tour Italy, to, to be a tourist. And they go and they run to all these famous places and they take out their cell phone and they do the selfie, right? And they can put it on Instagram and they can say, I was here and I've seen it. But they run so fast from place to place, they really don't get to see much. An explorer, on the other hand, takes their time, goes slowly, goes in behind and back behind the, the, the front part and, and not just the tourist part, but goes in to see the culture or the, the food or the language or the people and really explores wherever they're going. So I want to ask you a question today. In regards to the Word of God, how would you call yourself? A tourist or an explorer? Are you running through the Word of God in just a way so you can take that selfie and maybe you do? Oh, I, I read my Bible today and you put it on Instagram so everybody can see it. Or do you take time to read and study the Word of God? Do you believe it and do you live it? Let's pray. And as we pray, the worship team will come up here to help us as we get ready to sing in just a moment. Lord, we do love you, and we do thank you that you left us the word, your word. Lord, my prayer would be this morning that we would renew and rededicate ourselves to reading your word, to living your word. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room that has never even began a relationship with you, and that idea is something new, that they would today begin that relationship and take up the, the Bible as the priority book of their life and read it. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.